0: But the question that I want us to focus on over these next weeks that we begin today with is the question of faith. How is your faith? Is it growing? Is it strong? Are you struggling? Is, is your faith weak? Or are you really uh, hurting in that area of faith? What's well, my hope that over these next weeks as we tell some of these stories of faith, that you can be encouraged and your own faith can be strengthened. We begin with that beautiful chapter in Hebrews chapter 11, the, the passage that Ross came and, and led us through as we read through the, some selected verses in Hebrews chapter 11, the passage that tells us in 11:6, in that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so the question we want to ask is, well, what is this faith? How do you define and understand what faith is, especially the kind of faith that pleases God? Well, the writer helps us. we in verse 1. The writer of Hebrews says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things that we don't see, we can't see. So faith involves mystery. Faith involves that for which we hope for, that in which we trust that we can't have faith, that we can't necessarily touch. Or experience with our own senses. And so today we want to begin that conversation. I, I love this passage out of Hebrews, excuse me, Ephesians 2.8 that tells us that for by, excuse me, by grace that we are saved through faith. You see, faith is the conduit through which we receive God's grace, but it's also the conduit through which our lives live out God's grace each and every day. And Hebrews chapter 11 commends the men and women of faith from the Old Testament. It mentions men like Noah and Moses, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and even some of those great women of faith that we remember from the Old Testament like Sarah and Rahab. And I love this verse or this this Scripture in in Hebrews 11 that says... Well, what more shall I say? Time would fail me if I were to tell you of. And then he lists Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and and many others. And so as I was looking at, at this summer and, and, and thinking about what could we spend our time together with encouraging each other and, and, and working on our relationship with God, I thought, wow, what if we had time to, to look back into the Old Testament and to pick up on these stories of faith that this writer wanted us to know about, but he didn't have time to, to flesh that out in his letter. And so we'll take time this summer to look back into the Old Testament and and to retell these stories of faith. And and a couple of them I suspect you're not familiar with. Some of the stories of faith, you'll find some parts of that that are are disturbing. That are even troubling as we would move forward in a life of faith. And how do we understand and how do we uh, uh, interpret this for today? And so I think it'll be an exciting and, and even challenging journey for us as we turn back into the Old Testament and look at these stories of faith. You may be familiar enough with the Old Testament to know that these four, these first four men, were judges. They were judges of Israel, and their stories are told in the book of Judges. Of course, David is King David, and we'll reflect on his life too. At the end of this series. But this morning, I want us to meet Gideon. And we find Gideon, this great judge of the Lord, this great man of faith, we find him in Judges chapter 6. Verse eleven, and if you would turn with Judges to Judges six, and we're basically going to, to tell the story. It's a long story, so we'll have to move through it as quickly as possible in Judges chapter six, chapter seven, and chapter eight. And as you're familiar with Gideon's life already, there's several scenes from his life that we we'll want to talk about. So we're not going to take the time to read through most of this chap- these chapters. But just refer to them as we tell the story. But in chapter six, verse eleven, we meet Gideon, and we find Gideon threshing wheat in a wine press. It seems like you you press grapes in a wine press, and you thresh wheat on a threshing floor, <laughs> in a place where you would thresh wheat, where you would thresh wheat out in the open. Maybe even on the top of a hill or in a, in a high spot in your, in your field. Why? Because as you were to break and as you were to, to break down that wheat, you would want the chaff to blow off and to blow away, leaving behind just the wheat. Yet here, we find Gideon in a wine press. You see, wine presses were typically in, in lower places, they were indoors. A person could work in a wine press in private to conceal and to hide what was going on. And so here as we meet Gideon, we get a picture of Gideon and Israel living in complete and total defeat at the hands of their enemy. And in this moment with Gideon, Threshing his wheat in a wine press, the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and declares, Gideon, O valiant warrior, the Lord is with you. Well, Gideon was no mighty warrior in that moment, was he? Hiding from the enemy in a winepress, threshing wheat so that nobody would know that he had wheat to thresh creating a secret stockpile so that when the enemy arrived, he and his family would have something to eat. Yet the Lord, the angel of the Lord, still comes to Gideon and calls him valiant warrior. You see, many times the the Lord's call reveals more about who we are to become than who we are presently. You see, Gideon was going to become a valiant warrior, even though in that particular moment he was hiding from the enemy. You see, this truth would be a truth that he would grow into if he accepted the Lord's Word, if he accepted God's call by faith isn't that true of god or aren't we to be so thankful that god always begins with us where we are and in this moment gideon's faith was more uncertain and was more filled with doubts and fears than it was with strength and courage yet god still called him "O valiant warrior look at verse 13 isn't this how we respond many times when when God comes to us and he has a great work of faith in front of us and and Gideon's response to God is well if the Lord is with us why has all of this bad stuff happened to us happened to Israel and if we'll go back to verse 1 we'll begin to understand the story verse 1 tells us that because of their evil because of the evil of the Lord that the Lord gave the Israelites into the hands of the Midianites for seven years. Now look at verse 5, if you're there in chapter 6. For the Midianites would come up with their livestock and their tents, and they would come in like locusts for number. Both they and their camels were innumerable, and they would come into the land to devastate it. So so do you get the picture of what would happen? Every year, right as the harvest was to be taken, the Midianites would descend upon the Israelites and they would bring their armies and they would bring their caravans of people and of camels and they would basically come and take the harvest. And they would devastate the land and, and the people in the areas that they would come in and they would come in and conquer and they would take over and they would leave the Israelites with nothing at the end of the harvest. And this had happened for seven years because of the evil that Israel had done. God had placed them in the hands of the Midianites. We, we know enough about our, our numerology in Scripture that, that after seven years, okay, that's a, a period of completeness. After this time of completeness where, where they had been disciplined, they would experienced the consequences of their sin, God appears to Gideon. And Gideon knows that the harvest is here. Gideon knows that the Midianites are on their way. And so he's managed to to take some of the harvest and to hide it and to begin to break it down for his family to have. Again, even in the midst of those doubts and fears, God comes to Gideon And what the Lord was trying to say to Gideon is, Gideon, the Lord has not abandoned Israel. You see, Israel abandoned the Lord. And now the Lord has returned. The Lord has brought about a Savior, if you would, a judge to come. And in verse 16, the angel of the Lord reaffirms Gideon and says, The Lord is with you, Gideon, and you will defeat the Midianites. And so immediately, Gideon begins to take the steps that would be needed. Steps of faith that would allow him to become the valiant warrior that the angel of the Lord had declared him to be. And as we read through the rest of these these three chapters, we'll notice that there's at least five steps of faith that Gideon takes. The first step of faith... Is that first Gideon had to settle things at home he had to take care of things in his own household first for you see Gideon had a problem Israel had a problem there were two altars in Israel there were altars to Yahweh but there were also altars to Baal and in Gideon's household and in his own community this was true you see, there was an altar to Baal, In apparently Gideon's family was a leading family in the community. And in, in Gideon's household, in his, his father's property, there was an altar to Baal and an Asherah pole, which would be the female counterpart to, to Baal. There was an Asherah pole that were placed in the center of his father's household and of the community. And the, this altar and this Asherah pole had to go There had to be a choice that would be made. So the first thing that Gideon was to do was to tear down the altar and to rebuild and to reconsecrate an altar to the Lord. And in doing so, and this is a great picture, right? Gideon got out his chainsaw and he cut down the Asherah pole and he used that wood to make his offering to the Lord. You see... You can't defeat Midian in the world until you smash Baal at home. God must be within you first before we can see victories on the outside later. Joshua put it this way in chapter 24, verse 15 of the book of Joshua. As for me and my house, We will serve the Lord. There is no peace at home. There is no peace in Israel as long as the altars to Baal remain. Gideon had to take care of that first. Verse 32 in chapter 6 tells us that as a result of this incident, Gideon becomes known as Zerubbabel. You see, there was a response to Gideon's father. For you see, the the neighbors woke up the next day and the the altars to Baal had been destroyed and the the altar to Asherah had been destroyed. And what are we going to do? For these are the gods of the harvest. And how can we make these gods so upset and angry at us? Who did this? And the Scripture says they went to Gideon's father and said, where is Gideon? For he must die. Because he had challenged the the, the gods of Baal. And Gideon's father, in in this wise manner, in this wise manner that we see in Elijah the prophet when he was fighting the prophets of Baal, Gideon's father goes to the people and he says, are you to contend for Baal? If Gideon has done this, This offensive thing to Baal. Surely Baal can take care of himself. Surely Baal can defend himself. Why do you need to fight Baal's battles? Why don't you just let Baal take care of Gideon? And so the community said, Okay, sounds good. So they renamed Gideon Jerubal, which means let Baal contend with him. And that becomes an important part of our story in just a few more verses. But first, you see, Gideon had to take care of the enemy at home. And he became Zerubbabel because of that. And look what happens in verse 34. When Gideon takes this step, the Scripture says the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. This is another word picture that we want to understand. Previously, the Scripture said that the Lord was with Gideon and now it changes the vocabulary a little bit and offers this beautiful word picture. It says that the Spirit of the Lord put on Gideon. That Gideon became the clothing of the Spirit of God in that moment, in that act of faith, in choosing Yahweh over Baal. The Spirit of God then puts on Gideon, the Spirit of God, totally consumed Gideon for the task that was before him. The second step of faith that we want to understand in this story is that God's grace overcomes our doubts and our fears. As the story continues on, the armies of the Midianites and the Amalekites have come into Israel. They've come in to take what they thought was theirs. And the armies of the, Malachi, of the, of the Midianites and the Malachites have gathered and they've, they've, they've gathered and put, placed their camps. And so Gideon, now that the Spirit of God has come over him, as, as the stories of his cutting down the Asherpol pole and, and, and the, destroying the, the, the altar of Baal spread throughout Israel, Gideon puts out the call to form an army and 32,000 Israelites show up. To battle. They have a leader now. God has called a leader. And yet still, with 32,000 soldiers, Gideon has doubts and fears. So we ask the Lord for a sign. A prayer of faith, if you would. Lord, I know you've called me to be this valiant warrior. I know that your Spirit is upon me. I know that we've we've made this call in 32,000 Men have shown up to fight. But God, I still doubt. I'm still afraid. Lord, help my unbelief. Lord, give me the eyes to see. Give me the discernment and the wisdom to understand that the victory is indeed ours. And in verses 36-40, through we have the story of the fleece. And Gideon asked that that night he would put out a fleece and he said, God, if, if it's Your will that the victory is ours, then I, I, I just want You to answer this prayer that, that when I wake up in the morning that the dew would have saturated this fleece. And sure enough, in the next morning the, the dew is saturated and, and, and Gideon picks it up and he squeezes the water out of it. But the truth is, is that happens all the time. The fleece would collect to do the morning condensation. And so Gideon finally gets to his point, okay, God, <laughs> what I really want to see, what I really, how you can really confirm this with me is do the opposite, because the opposite doesn't really happen <laughs> in nature. If the opposite happens, then I know it's a miracle from you. And so sure enough, the next morning, Gideon wakes up, the fleece is dry. And all around the fleece is the dew and the condensation of the morning. And Gideon is affirmed. God meets Gideon at his point of unbelief. Now, let's be mindful, this is a healthy skepticism that, that Gideon is struggling with. Not a blind faith, for you see, not everything that passes through our minds is of God. And and Gideon is struggling with this to really discern and to understand what God is calling him to do. And so I believe that, that Gideon is not using this as a stall tactic. He's not using this to run from God's will, but rather he's asking in faith God, help my unbelief. God, help me to truly discern and understand your guidance in my life. You see, God's grace overcomes our doubts and our fears as we pray and as we cry out to Him, God, I know that you call me, O valiant warrior, but help my unbelief and confirm what you're doing in my life. The third step that I want us to look at, the third step of faith, is that faith leads to God's glory, not our glory. Gideon's got an army of 32,000. He said, God, give me a sign that that shows that we're going to have the victory. And God provides the sign. And so you can imagine Gideon. He's so excited. He's thrilled. He said, Oh, we're going to go to battle and we're going to win. I've got my army of 32,000. And then God kind of taps Gideon on the shoulder Gideon, (laughs) we've got too many soldiers here. (laughs) We need to reduce your army. But God, I just got the faith to move forward. What are you doing? No, Gideon, this is about my glory, not about your glory. So they end up, they've assembled at this spring. Now it's interesting, we know this spring as the spring of Horeb. H-O-R-E-B, Horeb, Oreb. The spring of Oreb. I suspect that the spring got its name as a result of this occurrence. Because Oreb means trembling the spring of trembling so the lord goes to know excuse me to gideon and says gideon we got too many men here's what i want you to do all these soldiers that have gathered all of them that are afraid and are trembling why don't you send them home 32,000 men 22,000 men say "I'm, i'm scared and trembling okay go home you're discharged go home Gideon's going, Lord, what are you doing? (laughs) 10,000 men. How are we going to fight with 10,000 men? Gideon, there's still too many. So then you're familiar with the story. Let let them go to the spring to drink. And we're going to to split them up by the way that, that they drink. So they go to the spring and, and they drink and, and and some of them get down on all fours and they bend over into the water and they drink, lap like a dog would. And others get on their knees and they, they reach down and they cup the water and they drink from the the, the cupped hand. And so they, they've split them up by the way they drink and there's hundred over here that have gotten on their knees and, and have cupped the water to drink and there's 300 over here that have gotten down on all fours to lap. Do we have pictures? Did those come through? This is actually the spring at Oreb. When we went to visit the Holy Lands a few years ago, we got to go to this place. It's it's a beautiful spring. This is the water source. You can see the cave there. And then the next picture kind of gives you a little bit of perspective as it comes out. And that, that stream there goes out into a beautiful modern day park. Uh, they're in that kind of that desert, arid area. It's a beautiful green space and park with the, the creek that's been manicured and designed that flows through it. It's a beautiful place. And you can just see the, the people, the soldiers bending over and getting a drink. So you can imagine getting, wow, 9, well, 9,700 men. I guess that's fewer. Oh, no, send those guys home. <laughs> 300? God, what are you doing? 300? Soldiers to fight the Midianites and the Amalekites They they've brought their armies their They're seasoned soldiers and veterans Someone some have even suggest Suggested that no true soldier Would ever in a, in a battle zone area would would get down on all fours and bear themselves without looking around And, and to get a drink of water that only a true soldier would get on his knees and cut the water so they could pay attention to what was going on around them. So you've got these 300 that are oblivious to the situation that they're in, and those are the ones you want me to go to battle with? Yes. Because why? Because the glory belongs to me, not to you. Faith brings the glory to God, not to ourselves. So let's talk about the fourth step of Faith. The fourth step of faith, I think, is that authentic worship springs forth from faith. Imagine the the struggle that Gideon... we we know the struggle he's been through. And now the armies of the Amalekites and the, the Midianites are right there. They know that Israel has gathered their army. They know that battle is near. Can you imagine how Gideon's faith was challenged again? His army of 32,000 was down to 300. But again, God continually pours His grace over us in ways that overcome our doubts and our fears. And now the grace of the Lord comes to Gideon. And in verse 10, I love this, Gideon, if you're afraid... Well, yeah, Lord, you took away my army. If you're afraid. Go down. Go down with your servant to the camp and listen to what they're saying. So the Lord comes to Gideon, and so he and his servant, they they sneak over and sneak down at night into the camp where the, the Midianites are. And look at verses 14 and 15. Well we'll start in verse 13. When Gideon came and they'd gone down to spy there and they they were listening to some of the outposts and sentries there, behold a man was relating a dream to his friend. And he said, "Behold." And now Gideon's listening to this. He's listening to these soldiers on the other the, the other army. "Behold, I had a dream." A loaf of barley bread They come to steal their barley and their wheat, right? And now they're having dreams in the enemy camp of a a loaf of barley bread tumbling into the camp of Midian. And it turned upside down so that the tent lay flat. And this century, he's going to interpret the dream for Gideon. This is what's going on in the, the enemy camp. This is nothing less than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel that God has given Midian and all the camp into his hand. The enemy is already fearful of Gideon and the attack that's coming. They've already lost the war in their own minds. And Gideon hears this conversation going on. And notice what happens next in verse 15. When Gideon heard the account of the dream and the interpretation, he bowed in worship. Authentic faith always leads to authentic worship. Why? Because when we experience authentic worship, it leads to the glory of God, not to the glory of man. And authentic faith manifests itself through us in authentic worship. Finally, The fifth step of faith is that faith always results in the victory. The rest of chapter 7 and 8 describes the victory of Gideon, the valiant warrior who achieves victory over the Gideonites. And after worshiping the Lord, Gideon comes to his camp, to his soldiers, his 300 men, and he says, Arise, for the Lord has given Midian and all the camp into his hand. They arise and you've read that battle story of Gideon's army creating chaos and confusion and the Midianites turning on each other and destroying themselves. And God received the glory. And At the end of this story, the end of chapter 8, the people of Israel come to Gideon they say Gideon oh oh that you would now come and rule over us and Gideon had learned his lessons Gideon had learned his steps of faith and Gideon's response was no I will never rule over you but rather the Lord the Lord shall rule over you and over us and for all of these reasons in Hebrews chapter 11 Gideon is mentioned as one of the heroes of faith for you see without faith it is impossible to please God church we must remember that even today we are called to faithfulness not to fearlessness and we need to remember that the movement from fear to faith in our lives always begins with a new word from the Lord so the question for us today is, is the Lord speaking to you today? Are, are you receiving a new word from God? Is God calling you to take new steps of faith? My prayer for each of us is that we would discern, we would have ears to hear a fresh word from God and the courage to examine ourselves and to take these steps of faith first. First. To settle things at home between ourselves and God. Second, to know that God's grace overcomes our doubts and our fears. Third, to realize that authentic worship results or springs forth from our faith. Fourth, to understand that faith always leads to God's glory and not our own. And fifth, to learn what it means to arise and go for faith results in the victory. Let's pray father what a powerful story of faith today and in so many different ways we see ourselves in Gideon you come and you proclaim that we are a valiant warrior and yet our lives are so far from that God give us the courage to believe and give us the courage to take those steps Lord I pray that we would take that first step today that we would examine our own lives our own hearts And if we have altars to Baal and Asherah poles in our lives and in our homes, I pray that today we would destroy those and that we would worship and follow You alone. Lord, bring a new Word into our lives because we know that faith comes by hearing. And hearing by Your Word. We've heard Your Word today. Allow us to hear. Allow our faith to be stronger as we take these steps. This morning I'll be at the front to receive those that would come and if you want to begin a a conversation, a prayer, we can begin to pray for you. If God's doing and stirring in your life and and your step of faith is to come and to say, today's the day I join this church and and my family joins, today's the day that I give my life to Christ and, and move towards baptism. Today's the day we... Surrender and confess sin to the Lord so that He can begin to cleanse and renew us. You be faithful as we stand, as we sing, as we make our commitments to the Lord. Amen.